you know, the Lord was speaking to me today. It's about, again, how important it is to be praying. Man, I mean, you cannot do anything until you pray. You can't, you will not be empowered. You cannot move. And it just, it just bugs me when prayer meetings are like the weakest thing happening in the church. That just really stirs me. I mean, someone has not communicated effectively to the people, this church here in America, that prayer is the most powerful and essential thing that we need to do as a church. I was even thinking, I think it would be the coolest thing if a prayer meeting is happening. I don't know why we always have it in a separate room. What's that about? It's like, oh, the prayer people go over there. Wait a minute. We are all prayer people, and we will have it in the main place that we are meeting. And if you don't want to pray, then wait outside. Okay? Now, you don't get to come in unless you're going to pray, because we're going to battle before the study. And I was just thinking about that in the main church services. Everybody just wants to come in and talk and hang out, which is fine. I understand that. But if you want to talk and hang out, then you can hang out outside the place that is about to be preached and spoken to, the Word of God falling from heaven. I was just thinking about it because I teach at a college study on Friday nights. And I was like, man, that would be the most powerful thing if when people walked in, there was just a bunch of people praying in there. What are they doing? They're praying for the study tonight, man. Shh. We gotta pray. We gotta go to battle. Nothing's gonna happen. We need God to show up. Don't you want God to show up? Let's go pray, man. We gotta call out to Father. Yeah. Man, what ground would be taken in an instant? Mmm. I don't know how that works out practically, but it was just stirring me inside today. You need to understand the most powerful thing you could do in your life is go in your closet and pray. Talk to God. We all need to have prayer closets, places that we go, how we get away. You need that. If you don't have that, you got nothing, man. You don't have a relationship with God because a relationship with God is hanging out with Him. It's not going to church. It's reading the Word and spending time with Him, talking to Him about it. If you say you have a relationship with me, but you don't hang out with me, you don't know me, you don't have a relationship with me. And if you say you have a relationship with God, but you do not hang out with Him, mm. you're a liar. The truth is not in you. We have got to be people, and I must continue to remind myself even, to be sneaking away by myself to spend time with God. That's a relationship. You know how powerful that is? You expect the minister, you expect the pastor to go and spend time with God by himself, don't you? You expect that, right? And you expect power to come forth. You expect a word from God. How is he supposed to receive a word from God unless he hangs out with him? Well, why is it different from you? Why will God not give you a word and empower you? In a, in a, it's an amazing way. He wants to do that for you too. You need to sneak away. You need to receive the word of the Lord daily in your life. You wonder why you're tired. You wonder why you're depressed. You wonder why you're bummed. You wonder why you can't celebrate in times that are hard. It's because you do not know your God. If you go and spend time with Him by yourself, He will set you free. I guarantee it. And not being set free, then wait longer. Sit before the feet of God until you are delivered. He will deliver you. That's what it takes. And I'm telling you the truth because the most important thing that I have discovered in the Christian life is quiet time with God by myself. And if I die saying anything, I hope I die saying, get alone with Jesus, man. Get alone with the King. I'll challenge an atheist. Go talk to Jesus and see if he's real. Watch what happens. Jesus, are you will? Bam! Just hit him just right there on the spot. The Christian. Jesus, are you will? Bam! Hit him right there on the spot. It's true. When I get alone with my God, oh, there's no sweeter thing. What happens, Josh? I don't know. You better go and find out. That's a secret. That's sweet time with me and my God. He speaks to me. I praise Him. I bow before Him. I open His Word and He ministers. And I talk to Him about it. I sing a song. Take a walk. Just wait upon Him. Sometimes just sit in silence for a long time. Just sit. Just 
It's important that we wait upon the Lord. Amen? We have a short chapter tonight we're looking at. 26 verses. But you know me. may not be short at all. JK, JK. That means just kidding. Okay. Psalm chapter 44 tonight. Psalm chapter 44. Let's go before Father. Um, Lord, I'm so happy to be a part of what you're doing. And I just ask for your oil to fall upon me and to speak to your people. Would your Holy Spirit come and speak into our ears clearly what you might communicate? That there would be no bones that has to be spit out, but only meat that is chewed. Please, fill us with your Spirit, and please speak to our hearts, we beg you, Father. Amen. Amen. Psalm 44. Psalm chapter 44, it says, To the chief musician for the sons of Korah. And then a word there. Those of you who have the King James, you see what I'm reading right below the, well, Psalm 44, the title there. It says, To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, Mass Chill. Mass Chill. Okay. And what is this? Well, Korah, it says this is to the chief musician for the sons of Korah. So whoever the chief musician of the sons of Korah is, this is to him. And the word maschil there means instruction. Instruction. Maschil. Note, Bible students, circle that word. It means instruction. So anytime you're reading the Psalms and you see that word, you will know there's some instruction that's about to be given. But at the same time, it almost seems like a word of... You're going to see. There's a couple things we're going to be able to glean from, but at the same time, some complaining going on. At the same time, some lifting up. And so this is basically a word to whoever the chief musician is. This psalmist is writing a letter, writing a psalm to the chief musician of the sons of Korah. So who's Korah and who are his sons? Well, Korah, interesting to know, is the cousin of Moses and Aaron. And if you remember, Korah there in Numbers chapter 16 rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And guess what happened? The earth opened up and swallowed him. It says that he fell into a pit and the earth swallowed him up because he rebelled against authority. Be careful. Don't be rebelling against the authority, the anointed one of God. Hey, earth might open up and swallow you. Sometimes that's needed. We as children of God need to understand that God has put people in position and even if you don't like sometimes the things that they do, it is something called submission. That's when you don't want to submit, but you have to. Submission. Submission isn't submission unless it's submission. That means... Submitting isn't really submitting unless you have to submit, unless it's a hard thing to do. And we see that picture. Do you remember David and King Saul? Do you remember? David, remember, was... I mean, Saul was trying to kill David. Do you remember? And David was fleeing from him, and David had an opportunity to kill Saul. And what did he do? He went and cut off some of his garment, held it up. Hey, Saul, I could have killed you, man. And then what did he do? He went and wept. He recognized, he went before the Lord and repented and said what? That he had cut the hem of the Lord's anointed. He repented of that. Huh? But Saul's trying to kill him. Listen, if God has placed people in authority over you in the church, and even if they may do something wrong, you need to be very careful to make sure that you are being faithful to God by submitting to them as long as you are under them. Because if you are not, even if they're wrong, you are touching the Lord's anointed. And um, I see it all the time in the church. People don't like the decisions made. And so what do they do? They shake their fist at the man in authority. They shake their fist at Moses. What did God say? Oh, you shake your fist at my man? You've got to understand that that's my guy. That's my anointed one. You are not my anointed one. Okay, he is. And you're going to shake your fist at me before you become the anointed? Or before you're the one? Uh-oh. Bam. The pit opens up and swallows the man. 
we need to be very, very careful because who knows what God's thinking on the other side of heaven. Sitting there looking down at a foolish boy who chooses to mock or to call out or even be very... to grab onto. Be very, very, very careful what you say about the Lord's anointed who He's put in position because that's His boy. And if you're not in position yet, be very careful. I'm just t- That's just a warning. I can't be dogmatic about it, but all I see in Scripture is this picture time and time again that you were to submit to authority. Submit. Submission. So Korah is the cousin of Moses who got, hey, eaten by the earth. And uh, these are his sons. Whoever the chief musician for his sons, that's who the psalm is being written to. Are you ready? Let's jump right in. Verse 1, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work Thou didst in their days, in the times of old. We'll stop there real quick. This psalm also was written, some say, during the time of Hezekiah. And could very well be Hezekiah writing this psalm. Don't know what that exactly means, but you'll kind of see as a king and him writing this, what it could mean, what it could seem to be. But he says that we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the works that you did in the times of old. Reminded. And he starts to tell them, how thou did drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in the possession by their own sword, neither Neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverance for Jacob. Stop there. The psalmist is saying that the fathers reminded us of old the things that God had pulled through in and done. And I think that it is very important even for, I'm just going to make it practical, even for a parent to remind the children and the people in times when raising kids of the things that Father has done in the past. Kids believe anything. You know that? They really do. At a young age, they're just so gullible. They just believe everything. The childlike faith, they believe And it is very important, I think, to be reminding and to be talking about, but not only to, hey, parents to children, but you need to be reminding yourself of things that Father has done in times of old. Yes. I would encourage you to be writing down, when God delivers you in a situation, when God pulls through, you need to write that down. You need to take a journal and start writing down. You're like, oh, gosh, Josh, God's delivered me in so many ways I can't even remember. Exactly. You better get to writing right now, okay? Because now next time I bring that up, I hope that you've been journaling. I have my journal. And, um, you know, I'll get it for you. Let me show you this. This is my journal. And um, this journal, actually, John Corson gave it to me when I was in the desert. I got it like two or three years ago. Two? What has it been? It's almost three years, I think. But I have... um, the first words that I ever wrote, see, it's it was in September 19th, 2005. Hmm. You can't hear. <laughs> you want to hear, don't you? It was a revelation I received. I'll read it to you. It says, Last night I was sitting looking into the darkness, and the Lord said to me, I will be the light that shines in the dark world. As I sat there looking into the dark hills, I saw a small light. It's a car beaming through the darkness, getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And the Father spoke to me specifically and says, You'll be the light of the world. You'll be a light to many men. He spoke to me clearly. The Father speaks to me all the time. And things that He pulls through and does in miraculous ways, I write them down. I don't lecture in this thing. I'm only halfway through the book still. But I hope to give this to my son one day to let him see all the things and all the times that Father has spoken to his Father and help him to understand that God speaks clearly 
that he will be blessed by it. This journal is like gold to me. I pray day in and day out, like, Lord, don't ever let me lose this thing. Brian knows I lose everything. Somehow I've been able to keep this one. And um, I just want to encourage you guys. It's very important to write down the things that the Lord tells you and the thing that the Lord does in your life. That was in 2005, September of 2005, when God told me that, in the desert when I was in Mexico. But God has a lot to speak to you and a lot He wants to do in your life. And when you can open that up, like that right now just gave me the chills. Because all of these things flash before my eyes as the Word is fulfilled time and time again in my life. And all the things that He spoke clearly to me continue to be fulfilled. As I go back and read, I'm just so blessed. And when you have specific words for your life and you write them down, it just means so much to you. I don't know why, but it's like you see your own handwriting you see what it's saying, and you know exactly the verbiage and the wordage, the way it's phrased. It just sounds like you. It is you, and it's speaking right to you. It's God speaking right to you in an instant. So I would encourage you to be grabbing your journal if you don't have one and to be writing in it all the time when God speaks to you, reminding yourself about the things that He has done. Amen? Something we need to be doing. Verse 4, Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Verse 5, Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Mm. I wrote lyrics next to this. I think I might write a song. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and has put them to shame that hate us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Oh man, those are power. You need to underline that little section right there. Verses 5 through 8 I think are powerful. It says, Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread them under that rise against us. Basically, the enemy that comes against you through Jesus Christ, through His blood, through our King, we will tread upon the enemy. I was talking with a brother last night. I taught basics over at the church I go to. And and he came up and he's talking to me afterwards and just sharing some heavy, heavy stuff. He was... Uh, he's getting a divorce. His wife... He didn't tell me the full story, but the guy's a sweet brother. I mean, I couldn't see I was the discernment that I was getting from God. It didn't seem like this man had sin there, like there was a big issue. He said he'd been a jerk in the past because he wasn't a follower of God, but he turned his life over to the Lord. He'd been with this girl for a long time, and uh, they have kids, and they ended up getting married, and then he became a Christian, and he's been walking with the Lord and trying to, but she really wants to live in the world, and she's young, and he... Uh, he basically told me that she they, she put a restraining order and he can't see the kids anymore. He has two kids and he's just broken. I mean, just wants to cry, you know, just like Josh would. It... And then he's like, he says, like I have peace though, you know, I do. I, I'm going to be okay. I know God's going to deliver me. I know the scriptures. I know that everything's going to work out okay, some way, shape, or form. But then he goes on to say this: it just broke my heart. I was just, I, he said, Josh, the thing that broke my heart was. I went and I told my brother, who's an atheist, what was happening. And he looked at me and said, See, your God doesn't help you. This Christianity doesn't do anything for you. Look at what it's got you. I looked at him and said, You trust your God. He will deliver you. And He will exalt you and lift you up. Humble thyself on the side of the Lord and He will lift you up. He will make a table in the field of your enemies. And He will say, Come and sit and eat. God will deliver you and He will have the laugh in the end. God will be lifted up and exalted and He will pull through in a powerful, powerful way. And this scripture speaks straight to my heart when I think about my brother there. Through Thee will we push down our enemies. Through Thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. God will be exalted and my brother will be exalted there too. He doesn't need to worry. He needs to trust his God. And you need to worry, I mean, you need not to worry in the same. God's going to deliver you, friend. Family, 
He will deliver you. The enemy's laughing. The people are mocking. People are trying to cut you down. God does not fail. Okay? He pulls through powerfully time and time again in our lives. And you need to be reminded of that. It's a simple principle. But man, that just ooh stirs me so bad inside. It's like, what? I just want to go talk to the atheist guy. It's like, what? You're going to mock him? I just almost want to challenge him. It's just like, listen, you call upon your God and I'll call upon my God. Let's see who wins. Let's go right now. Let's go out in the parking lot. Let's put fire on the ground. See whose God calls. Who comes down and consumes the entire thing right there in an instant. The battle of the gods. Your God doesn't even have ears. can't even hear. What do you worship? A sticker on the back of your truck? A beer in your hand? I will mock those gods to a man's face because they bring nothing but destruction upon him. And he will not exalt his God while my God is the great king of the universe who deserves to be bowed down to, who makes that man's heart beat every single day and gives him a breath day after day, moment by moment. It's like, man, you should be walking in the fear of God and not mocking Him. You better be careful before He strikes you dead. The enemies will be put under our feet. He says in verse 6, For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Did you hear that? It's not your bow and arrow that's going to save you. No. And it's not the sword that you swing that's going to pull through. It's not your finances that's going to make things work. Uh Uh-uh. And it's not your hands that can make things work. Maybe something's going on. And you're trying to push it through. You're trying to make it happen yourself. Sit back and call upon your God and let Him pull through for you. Man, I love seeing one of my buddies just things happen to him because crazy stuff happens. I won't say his name, but... He was getting ready to come down. He was coming from a certain place and to move back here to Riverside. And, man, as soon as he gets to put the gas in his car, guess what? I mean, this thing, things always happen to his car and mine too, and so we kind of have something in common. But uh, as, as soon as he puts gas in his car, the, gas, the car breaks. He's about to come down, just all fired up, get back down south and, and do ministry here and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, gas just starts pouring out of the bottom of his car. He's about to leave for an eight-hour drive, and all of a sudden, just starts pouring out of his car, and he's just like, oh, great, now what? Now what? And so, <laughs> it's just so funny. And, and so the gas is pouring out, just like, oh, great, or whatever. And so he goes, and I finished talking to him on the phone. He was just saying he had to go to the dealership, and um, thought it was going to cost a bunch of money and all this stuff. Guess what ends up happening? <laughs> they said that the thing that broke in his car actually had a recall and that means when you have a recall that means they fix it for free and there was something else wrong with his car as well and when they were taking off the thing with the gas that broke the other piece messed up or something happened somewhere where they fixed the other piece that was broken too in his car was going to cost him big money so both things get fixed and he walks away paying nothing all he has to do is just stay a couple more days up there and ends up driving down and the Lord delivers in a powerful way. I will not trust in my sword and I will not trust in my bow. It is not these hands. It is not this mind that's going to figure out how to make all this work. Uh-uh. It is my God who will save me. And the psalmist goes on to say there in verse 7, But thou hast saved us from our enemies and has put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise Thy name forever. Forever. That's a long time. But I like those words. That sounds like a great chorus, doesn't it? In God we will boast all the day long and praise Thy name forever. Mm, I could chant that all day long. In my God I will boast. In my God and Him alone will I boast all the day long and praise His name that forever. Love that. Selah. The word there, Selah, means to like to pause or break or stop and think. I, I just found out that the word Selah is actually the hardest translated word in the Hebrew text. Most difficult one to translate. The word, they're not exactly sure. You almost have to be in the Hebrew culture 
and to speak the language even understand what's going on here but the best way we could translate it is kind of sit and ponder to think about it's time to think it's time to sit and to pause and just to think about what's been said because we don't really have anything in the English language that says like when you're reading and all of a sudden it just say you're reading through a book and all of a sudden it just says like, stop and think it's like huh I thought you were first just talking to me like I'm reading this book or I'm reading this novel and all of a sudden it's like time to stop and think like really like right now like I'm reading and I got to stop right now in this chapter and think for a bit and ponder we don't really do that and so of course doesn't make exact sense and, and, and we probably don't do it the way that we should but there's a little spin on the verses now all of a sudden the wind changes watch what happens to the psalmist he is just wait wait before we jump into it he's just done what he's boasted in the Lord he celebrates all that he's done he's remembered times of old that his fathers told him how God always delivers, how God always pulls through. I will not trust in my sword. I will trust in the Lord, right? All these things, okay? That rhymes. But then he says, verse 9, But thou hast cast off, and put us to shame, and goest not forth with our enemies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy, and they which hate us spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat, and hast scattered us among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for naught, and doest not increase thy wealth by their price. He's starting to say, But Lord, you're allowing the enemy to overtake us. You sell us to the enemy for nothing. You take us like sheep just led to the slaughter, just to be cut up and done whatever to. The psalmist is starting to complain almost how God has allowed bad things to happen. Look, just watch what he says. 13. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a desertion to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen and shaking of the head among the people. I love the King James. You see, I don't know if you see the phraseology there, but thou makest us a byword among the, among the heathen, something to talk about on the side, but then almost by the shaking of or a shaking of the head among the people. I can just see people putting their head down and shaking their head. He, that's basically what he's describing, as we are a shame in the eyes of the enemy. They just look at us and mock us. It's like, oh, there's those guys over there. <sighs> yep. They say their God delivers them and all that, but, you know, we just sweeped them. They had nothing to do with us. They couldn't even stand against us. And he says there in verse 15, My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face covers me. Hmm. For the voice of him that reproach and blaspheme by reason of the enemy and avenger, all this come upon us, yet we have not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. We'll stop there. Okay, he goes on to just start complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. What did he just do? Remember in the first few verses there? What did he do? He said, It is you, O God, that delivers. It is your right hand that sustains us. I don't, I don't trust in my sword. I don't trust in my weapons. I trust in you. And then what? Oh, Lord, but what happened? You like let the enemy come upon us and destroy us and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. Didn't you just hear what you just said? Didn't you just see what you just wrote? It almost seems like he wrote a bunch of stuff walked away for a week and came back and something bad happened. Like he wrote a bunch of stuff about how God delivers and how God pulls through. And then what? Walks away, comes back, and is all bummed out about something that happened, but he's not remembering what he had said and what he had put down in the beginning. It's like saying this. God will always pull through in my life. doesn't matter what happens. Car accident. Oh, man, I can't. How am I going to do this? I can't believe you helped me. Wait a minute. You just said, right, like a second before you crashed, God's going to deliver you in every situation. And then you just freak out, and you just start crying, and you just lose it. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to put that down, because we all freak out. You know, we all get in shock there. I know. But I'm talking about trusting in God. Really, sincerely trusting in Him in a situation. Let's look at the situations in our lives that we need to trust in God in. Right now, let's just look at them. Come on, don't look at me anymore. Just look down for a second. Let's just... 
Okay, I know what they are for me. Okay, Lord, what is it? Okay, what are the things that we need to trust in you in? And right now we would proclaim, the Lord delivers, the Lord pulls through. But your situation, can he pull through in this situation? Can he deliver and work it out? Okay, go ahead and you can look back at me now. Listen, it's true. I feel the same way. It's like, yeah, but my situation, I can't see the end of it. I can't see around the corner. I can't see how God's going to pull through. I know. Since you can't see that God's going to pull through, it's very hard to trust sometimes, but that is faith. And when you can't see how God's going to pull through, it's time to trust. It is time to strap on the faith. It is time to take it to the next level. When you can't see how God's going to help you to accomplish something, you need to recognize that He will. And you need to break through. It's a mental battle. It really is. It's during a time of prayer that's really going to set you free. It's in the Word. Do you trust the Word of God? Do you believe every word in here? That's a big deal. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Family? If you believe this, if you believe these words with all your heart, then trust your God. Stand on His foundation. Stand on His Word. Christian, my brother in Canada, he taught us when we... Well, he basically was teaching us to pray there in Mexico when I was staying with him. And because he's just... He's just the prayer master, period, all right? When the guy prays, stuff happens, all right? And so he said this. He said, guys, this is one thing that I love to do when I pray. I open to the Scriptures, and I point to the Scripture like this. He's dead serious. And he gave us Scriptures to point to, which I have here in the back of my Bible. I wrote them down. And he says, take your finger and put them on the Scripture. And then go to the Lord and say, Lord... You say in your word that you are going to pull through, that you're going to provide for my needs, that you're going to be a God who saves me. You said it right there, and I choose to believe you and trust you and believe your word. Lord, you say that you'll give me a peace that surpasses understanding. It's right here. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Would you give me that peace? God cannot deny his own word. It's impossible. He will not deny Himself and He will not forsake His Word. There are many scriptures that say things like, Your Word will last forever and ever and ever. It will never pass away. The words of God here, you need to learn that principle and I would challenge you to do it. Hmm. Maybe we need to look at verse 6 and say that, huh? And verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. Let's just do verse 6. You point to the Scripture, and I'm going to read it, and you read it with me. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Who will we trust in? We will trust in the Lord. Let's read verse 8. In God we boast all the day long, and praise Thy name forever. We need to be doing that. You see how practical and easy that is? Maybe somebody needs a word of encouragement. Okay, you need to walk up to them and open the Scriptures and point to them and say, what does it say right there? What does it say? It says this. Do you believe that? Yes. Then be free. Be set free and go your way right now. People need to know they're forgiven sometimes. You know that? If someone confesses something to you, listen, if someone confesses something to you, you need to tell them they're forgiven. That's one of the biggest things. Don't stone them. Okay? Don't beat them up. One of the first things you need to do is look them in the face and say, listen, brother, listen, sis, listen to me. Look into my eyes. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. God has forgiven you despite what you've done and despite who you are. And show them in the Scriptures. What does that say right there? Though your sins be as red as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Mm. What a great God. 
What a great king. Hmm. Verse 16, For the voice of him that reproached and blasphemed by reason of the enemy and avenger. Verse 17, All this come upon us, yet we have not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Hmm. Like those words. He says, even though these bad things have happened to me, I have not forsaken you, God, and I have not stepped back in my ways. I have not turned from your direction. You know what happens a lot of times in our walks? When something bad happens, we think it's an excuse and an opportunity to go and sin or to go and not seek God. Don't do it. Don't throw in the towel. Okay? I felt it many times. Like when things don't work out, I see it all the time. Like if someone maybe dies in a family, all of a sudden the whole family just freaks out. Sometimes they just go AWOL, man. They just like, forget this God thing. I'm out of here. And they just go and they plunge themselves into darkness. And they come back and they're all beat up. Trust your God. Walk in His statutes despite what is happening. Bless the name of the Lord, okay? This is speaking to two people here. Either you who are going through times right now and you're learning to trust God in this situation, or this is speaking to you who are not going through it but are about to go through it. You need to understand these things. And guess what? Write it down and come back to it and look back on it as days of old and be remembered and reminded not to turn your heart, neither to have our steps decline from thy ways, O God. Verse 19 Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death, if we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out a hand to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. It's true. Verse 22, Yea, for the sake of... For thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Interesting to note that Paul actually quotes this in Romans chapter 8, this verse. He quotes it in Romans chapter 8, verse 36. And he quotes it almost as boasting in the persecution they receive. He says, I praise God we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because what? For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It's like for your name we are lifted up and exalted. Did you know that when persecution takes place in a church, or in the church, that revival breaks out every time. Things happen when persecution comes. And in China right now, if you went over there, the underground churches, you know they're not allowed to have church, and Christians get arrested and thrown in prison all the time. Pastors for preaching, just like I'm, what I'm doing right now, for preaching, they get thrown in prison. But you know that the church is growing so fast and people are serious, sincere believers compared to America. Now we're a bunch of dogs compared to the way they live for Christ. And Paul says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because we die for His name. For His name's sake. And there will come a day, and I wonder how many of you, we might see it. Did you, do you know that? Me and you, there might come a day soon, maybe 10 years, 15 years, where all of a sudden you will not be able to say certain things are wrong. You will not be able to call people out and say that's sin, that's wrong. You can't do that. You're offending me. But you're offending me by not letting me say that. Who's right? We get circular reasoning. Sad thing, it's a sad day that's coming soon. What happens when they say the Bible's... Hey, that's for another culture, man. You guys, it's not relevant today. What will you do? Do you understand? I just almost feel like I am preaching to a people that will see this. And there may be some here in this room when you are put on the spot and asked if you're a Christian, you may even deny your faith. Even though I tell you here in this moment, the day will come. Will you be able to stand up? There may be many of us led as sheep to the slaughter and killed for our faith. You must understand the times we live in. People are dying all the time for this right now. Just because we're in little old America and we have a Denny's right across the street, I mean, you got to understand that times are changing right now, big time. This election is going to be a big deal. You better get ready. 
Things are going to change real fast. I mean, the family is changing. Did you know that? There is no way of family anymore. It's not here. My family is going to be an outcast. I guarantee you when I'm 40 or 50. Outcast. What? You're 40, 50, 60? If I live to be 60 or 70? Huh? You've been married for 30 or 40 years? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? I mean, don't you like hang out with other people and stuff? What are are you, old-fashioned? Wow, you mean like you've never like married, you know, somebody of the same sex and then the opposite sex and then, you know, kind of, you you don't do that stuff? You know, it's cool. You can just kind of marry people. You get tax breaks. You mean, what's what's this deal with disciplining your children? Are you serious? You actually spank them? What's wrong with you? You discipline and tell them no? You can't do that. You're offending them. It's true. Isn't that a sad day? What if I told you a day is coming when you can marry your dog? You'd laugh. But 30 years ago, 40 years ago, what if I said the day would come when you can marry somebody of the same sex? He would have laughed at you. Laugh. Marriage? You mean they could actually get married and have a family? No way. I remember a preacher speaking a while ago. He said, if you claimed that you were homosexual like 30 years ago, they'd put you in the loony bin. Boop, boop. And I'm not trying to put that down. I'm not trying to, you know, that's not the issue. That's that's a sin issue. What the point is, is that we have a lot of things changing right now. And you've got to understand that the times are changing, that there may come a day soon when we are told no. And you cannot do that. You cannot speak out in truth. And we may be the ones fulfilling that scripture of Romans chapter 8. Okay? We've got to get ready, man. Larry, we might have to die one day. You know? What a great adventure, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you to be very scary in the moment. Very scary. But wow, to lay down your life for the king that laid down his life for you. Wow, what a great adventure. And I don't see because about that morbidly in any way, like just like you're sick, Josh, you know, like what do you what's this weird death thing? No, it's not you know, it's just and I'm not trying to be Mr. Brave Guy or, you know, fearless guy. I'm just sincerely speaking in that way. That I mean, you really go down representing greater than you could ever represent in your life. I think that's better than preaching to a million people. I think that's better. I mean, to die for your faith. Wow. And there are people doing it all over the place. Let's finish. Verse 23. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? (laughs) Arise, cast us not off forever. Like that. The psalmist. Do you feel like that sometimes? Father, wake up. Are you sleeping? Don't you see what's happening in my life? Look at this. Mike, I got a flat tire. Hello, Father. I got to get to a meeting. Don't you see this? Are you sleeping? No, he's not sleeping. He's been awake all night. And he knew you were going to get a flat tire. Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face? And forget us our affliction and our oppression. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help. Redeem us for the mercies, for thy mercy's sake. Hmm. The psalmist finishes the psalm what? Complaining. Lord, are you asleep? Don't forsake us. Don't forget about us. The Lord is not forgotten. His thoughts towards you are more than the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of thoughts. He has not forgotten you, friend. Maybe you feel like it sometimes. I feel like God's forgotten me. This is the Christian life. You must understand. This is the Christian life. We will proclaim the truths of God. And we will recognize that He's going to pull through in Scripture. But now, we get to step outside the coffee shop and live it out. We've got to believe these things, man. We've got to walk in this truth. I remember a, uh, a quote. Somebody said, Jesus never said it was going to be easy but he said it would be worth it. It would be worth it all one day. 
It's not going to be easy. This Christian life is not an easy one. Is it the best? Yeah, there's nothing better. Is there more joy? Yes, more joy you're ever going to get in anything. But he didn't say it's going to be easy. I believe the more faithful and the closer you draw to God, the more He expects out of you. And harder things will come in life. I think, I feel sometimes, even though I'm, I'm still young, I'm 26, and I just feel sometimes like I've already experienced like really, really hard things. Like what, what, what harder could even come in this life? I mean, I've been so broken and ripped on the inside and just, man, I mean, stressed out about things. What worse could happen? Oh, they come. Oh, they come like waves. And I get to keep trusting God, keep putting my faith in Him, and keep looking forward to the great things He's going to do. Did you hear that? It's not going to be easy. But it will be worth one day. You know, my pastor, Greg Glory, his son died maybe like three or four weeks ago now. And it's just so... When I think about his, his connection and his relationship to his son and how close he was to him, see, my, my mother's in heaven, but I don't really feel like I was that close and that connected because I was so young. Like, I can't remember a lot of things. But it's like, it's like this. If you're hanging out with somebody all the time, you're very close to them, you saw them, I mean, you know them inside and out. Your own child. And then they go to be with the Lord... It's almost like you can almost envision them right here next to you, but then to actually think that they are in heaven, just as I hear Greg speak about it, it almost sounds like he's there in heaven with him or something. Like he just, it's so real. It becomes such a real place. It's like this, like me and Brian, you know, we're just best buds forever, but it's like if if he told me what he just went to, Virginia, right? Virginia. If he tells me he's going to Virginia, I can almost envision him there in Virginia. Like he's not beside me here talking to me, but he's in another place. And I can envision that and almost sense it and feel it. And if he went to heaven tomorrow, it would be the same connection except for he is in the sweetest place ever. He didn't go to Virginia, he went to heaven. There's another destination. If I said we were to go to Virginia, we're going to take a field trip next week. Get ready. Get ready. Get your backpacks. Let's go. We're going to go next week. Um, how about Wednesday? What, what do you guys do on Wednesday nights? Maybe Wednesday about 6 o'clock. Make sure that you change that up because we're going to be going to Virginia Wednesday at 6 o'clock. You're like, okay, I'm ready to go. What if I changed it? Next Wednesday, 6 o'clock, we're going to be going to heaven. We're going to be hanging out there for just a few days and we'll come back. It's a real place. It's the real deal. It's going to happen. It will be worth all day. I I long for this moment, and I'll close with this. I long for this moment when I stand in heaven, and I look at you guys, and I stand in heaven, and I see you guys, and I say, See, I told you so. Here, man. Look at this. We're here. We are experiencing the glory of the Lord. All the things we ever talked about. All the things I ever encouraged you in. It's really happening, man. It's the real deal. There's my king. Look right there. Watch this. Bowing to him. Bowing to him. The real deal. It's a real place and we will be there one day and it will all be worth. You're going to face many hard times and tribulation here on this earth. But hey, I have overcome the world, Jesus says to us. Trust in me. Believe in me. I will take you through these things. I will help you and walk you by your hand. Trust me. Trust your God. And that day you look into his lies, it's going to be great. Just say, King, you did it. It's it's really, really real. I had to believe it all my life. I had to trust in you. Many people thought it was a fairy tale. Many people told me, you, you, what are you doing giving up your life and party? You're crazy, man. Giving up your life to do this Jesus thing? Woo! Jesus! Where is he? I don't see him. Where is he? What on a picture? What? No, it's a real thing. I'm beholding my king. It's reality for me, and it's reality for Christopher Lloyd right now. He stands there, walks around, skips in heaven, does what he wants to do. He's there. He's there. He's there. Just go ahead and say that to yourself. Just say he's he's there in heaven. Just say he's there. I'm not, and he's there.
blows my mind. And Father, we desire to be there with You. Lord, I know You're there. The, your Scripture tells us You're in heaven, but You're also on earth. You are everywhere. You're omnipresent. You are there, and You even see Christopher right now. Would You reach out and bless him? Let him know that we long to be there close. Let him look down and even see this study, Lord, just wanting to live for you. And all of the people that we know that have passed on, just give them a hello for us, Lord. Man, just want to be there with you, King. Really do. But I understand you have a work for me to do here. And so I'm going to do it as best I can. And I understand that these here with me got a lot of work to do and we're going to do the best we can King please uh, sorry that we mess up and we don't trust you but we're going to do our best we're going to live for you we're going to walk with you we're going to stand boldly for you we're going to preach your gospel to the ends of the earth we're going to bring you glory with every ounce everything we have within us if we can lay down our lives for you it would be a pleasure it would be a privilege to go down proclaiming your name and your truth and your love. Oh. So Lord, uh, continue the work you've started in us. And until the day that we see you, love you, King. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to be close to you. Bless your people as we go. Help us to walk in your statutes and to love the people around us for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory. We ask this in your name, the name above all names. Amen. 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 Love you guys.